we're doing these words from the cross where Jesus says seven kind of short sentences, if you like, upon the cross as he's being crucified as we build towards Easter. And the third one, which is the one today, they're not necessarily all in Luke, this one's in John, um, but they've been put in what they think is the best order that he probably said them in. Um, And the third one today fits in really well with Mother's Day. Um, Fits in perfectly. If you think some of them wouldn't have fitted in at all very well, uh, this one fits in really well. And it's all about family. It's all about God's family. And if I was to ask that question to all of us, what is family? Probably every single one of us might give a different answer. If we said, who is family? Some of us would say, well, it's, it's my immediate family. That's my family. Not, not the wider family. We don't call them family, but it would be my immediate family or your mother, your father, your brother, your sister. Others would extend that to their cousins, their aunties, their uncles. Some of us are closer to them than others. Others would say, not at all, none of those people but long-term friends. They're my family. The people that have stood with me through thick and thin have always been there. I've always been dependable. Others would say they're neighbors. Or thankfully, some would say people in church would be their family. And others still, their car. Um, People name their cars, don't they? They're part of the family. Or pets, you know, hamsters, goldfish, cats, dogs, snakes. All of that. People have a different thing. You'd all have a different answer for what family is. And my view of family is family is a bit weird. At least my family is a bit weird. Um, And particularly when I got married, I found family was weird. Um, Because I inherited a whole new family that did different things that I had never done before. Like going on walks um, together as a family on Boxing Day and doing Christmas differently. And you encounter all these new things. And you go, well, what is family? What does it mean? Because you have an idea in your head, a construct of It's always been like this because this is the way I was brought up. And then you encounter something very different. And I just thought, actually, our own families who often leave us short, there's this beautiful picture in today's message about being a part of God's family and having God as our father. Um, A family should be a place of comfort, a place of caring, guidance, something that is completely dependable, something that is safe. And... um, I want to encourage you all today, mothers, of course, but also fathers, men, women, brothers, sisters, friends, all of us here present this morning, actually, that these words on the cross are applicable today because they speak of family. This is what it says. John 19, if you've got a Bible, verse 16 through to 27. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, which we looked at not so long ago, the thief on the left and the thief on the right. And Jesus was between them. Standing by the cross were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and his disciple whom he loved, that's John, author of this book, so he's not referencing himself, he's... He's being polite, he's being nice, standing nearby. He said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. 
It's amazing, really, actually. Um, when, we, when we were kind of planning these seven words from the cross, I got really excited about some of them, like, today I'll be with you in paradise, like, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Next week is, Eloi, Eloi, Lema Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Amazing verses from the Bible. And then there's this one. And I thought, oh man, how have I ended up with, behold your son, behold your mother. It just seems, on the face of it at least, oh, what is that verse doing here? But as I've looked at it, actually, these verses are incredible. Um, given the context, given what's going on, and given what they mean for us today, they're no less significant than what happened last week. It's all part of the same story as Jesus kind of, this thief is on the cross, and he says, after this thief puts faith in Jesus, he's going to be with him in paradise. Well, actually, that thief as well gets a new family. He's brought into something new, and that's what's spoken about here. Jesus is nailed to a piece of wood for the sins of the world. He's in this awful, awful place that none of us will ever experience that. We can't comprehend it, I don't think. We, we might be able to comprehend the kind of physical brutality of it, but what about the emotional pain? What about the spiritual pain that he's going to be going through, which actually is more of the focus of next week's word? Um, and there, watching on as her son is crucified, is Mary. I mean, just put yourself there. I mean, it's unbelievable. It must be, one of, it must be the hardest thing for Mary that she'll ever go through to watch on, to stand. It would be easier for her to not be there in many ways, like everybody else. But there she is, his mum, his auntie, and a couple of others called Mary. Obviously a popular name back then, because there's four of them. Um, all in the same place, four women. And then the disciple John are watching on as the Romans are crucifying Jesus. And they're not there, I want you to see, they've not come along to rescue him. They know they can't get him down from the cross. That would be futile, wouldn't it? Well, let's, you know, just, just us and we'll, the four of us, you know, this small little band. We're not going to be able to take down the might of the Roman Empire. We're not going to be able to get him down off the cross. So they're not there on a rescue mission. They're there just watching on. It would be impossible almost for them to do anything. They're not there to cheer him on in what he's doing. Even though the cross is this victory over sin, death and hell, they don't know that. They're not there going, yeah, go Jesus. You're saving us. They're broken. They're hurting. No doubt full of tears as they're watching on. The other disciples, Peter, he's done a runner. Thomas, nowhere to be seen. The rest of them have just abandoned Jesus in his hour of need. And yet, these four faithful, amazing women and John, are there to be seen. Jesus could see them. They were close enough that he could see them, that even in his pain, even with blood dripping down his face, sweat in his eyes, he could still make out his mother. He could make out his auntie. He could make out his friends. And you know, being there, as I was just dwelling on this, isn't my main point, it was just as I thought about the fact that they were there, is actually never underestimate how important just being present with people is. I think we do that so often, don't we? You know, I've said this, and I'm kind of committing myself to not say this again. Oh, I'm sorry I can't be there in person. I'm there in spirit. It's not good enough. I know that sometimes we can't be there, but it's not. It, that's almost a bit of a cop-out, really. What matters is we're there in person, if we can be. I know sometimes, you know, something's happening in Australia, and we're in the UK, and it's just not feasible. But actually, if we can be there, 
If we can stand with people in their hour of need, that's what we're to do. In fact, it's what Romans 12 living looks like. I know we come back to Romans a lot, Romans 12 in particular, but I think it's defining for what it looks like to follow Christ, what it looks like to be a Christian, rejoice with those who are rejoicing. In order to rejoice with those who rejoice, you've got to be with them, standing with them, the joy of being with them. Weep with those who weep. When people are broken, when someone's being crucified on a cross, we're there. Mary was there along with her sister and others. Do not be haughty. It says, live in harmony with one another, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. To rejoice with those who are rejoicing, to weep with those who weep, to live in harmony, means being at its base level before anything else. It simply means being with people. It doesn't always mean having the answers. It doesn't mean those things. I think it just means actually we're there. Your presence sometimes is enough. Have you ever been in those situations where it's, it's a low time, but you can just sit there in silence during a difficult moment, and it's enough that you're physically there? That it, just your presence brings comfort. Just your presence brings support. And our time, I'm more and more convinced of this, it's not our finances, it's not our stuff, it's not our gifts and abilities, but our time is our most precious commodity. What we do with it says a lot about what we value. Where were we in those moments? And Mary and her sister and Jesus' friends and the disciple whom he loved, John, were there for what is probably a harder experience than any of us will ever go through. Watching your best mate crucified for crimes he didn't commit. Watching your son hanging upon a cross. Such incredible faith and courage that these people have. But if we were to just stay there, which is the temptation on Mother's Day, believe me, I think we missed the point. I think we missed the point of the passage because you know what? The Bible isn't about me and it's not about you, but it's about Jesus. It's about God. It's God's story. And if we read the Bible in that way, that's how we start to understand it and piece it together. This is falling down. It's good, isn't it? Useless. My new uh, splint with super bionic bendy things is uh, letting me down, which is good. And it's going to end up by my ankle shortly, so if I fall over, that's why. <laughs> uh, no, it would be a bit too much of a drama to fix it, I think. Um, Jesus, despite his pain and agony, um, knows that they're there, is watching on, which is why we get this statement. And... Um, it's amazing. Jesus, I think, you know, he's on the cross, and we've said this before, haven't we? He'd have every reason to be chipped up, every reason to be like, why do bad things happen to good people? But instead, again, we see him, he's thinking of others. Look at what he says. He says, he says to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he says to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. And the first thing I want to say is this, that the care that Jesus shows is not limited to his mum. You might think, Oh, it's just for his mum here because, you know, maybe he was a bit of a mummy's boy and loved his mum a lot. And he did love his mum. Of course he did. But the care that he has, it's not just Jesus doing a nice thing here. It's telling us something beyond that. It's actually what it represents and means for us today, what he says and addresses his mum. Jesus loves his mum and loves us. Um, in Luke chapter 8 and Mark chapter 3, Jesus is doing his thing, which was kind of healing people, teaching people the word. Crowds were gathering around him. And we get this really interesting 
dialogue that takes place. This is what it says in Mark. And crowds have gathered round Jesus, okay? His mother and his brothers, so yeah, Jesus has half-brothers, okay? Came and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. So mum, brothers, turn up whilst Jesus is doing his thing. And a crowd was sitting around Jesus. And they said to him, Jesus, your mum and your brothers are outside looking for you. They're seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mothers and brothers? Now he's not being thick, okay? It's a rhetorical question. Jesus knows full well who his mother is. He spent lots of time with him. He knows who his brothers are too, but he's making a point. He looks at the people sat around him and he said, here are my mothers and brothers, as he points to the crowd. Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, he is my mother. So, long story short, for you and me, if we do the will of God, I'll get on to what that is in a second, we are his brothers, we are his mother, we are his family in other words. So it's not just limited to Mary, his biological earthly mother in this sense, but to us as well, those that do the will of God. And I like to think of those who do the will of God as those who live to please God. You know, what's the will of God? Well, it's bringing pleasure to God. It's bringing him glory. So it's for those who are trying to please God with the way that they live their life. And sure, we're not always going to get that right. Sometimes we fall short. But we have a, our, our trajectory and our aim is that we would live to bring pleasure to God. That we would honor him. That we would bring him glory. And that's what's going on here. That actually... Those that do the will of God, Jesus says, are my real mother, are my real brothers. That means it can be me. That means it can be you. And you just see, I think, the heart of God in that, don't you? The heart of God that is for all people. The heart of God that is for you and for me, for his own mum, for his brother, but also for John, his, his disciple. And I, I love the, the provision that God has here upon the cross for his mum because he doesn't offer gold and silver. You know, often today it's like you see it all the time, don't you? When somebody passes away, people squabbling over inheritance, people falling out over, over gold and silver and property. Jesus isn't interested in any of that. He's interested in something that's far more significant than all of that, and that's family. That's lasting relationships. And that's what happens here. He doesn't offer them wealth, but he looks to John and says, that's now your mother. He looks to his mother and says, this is now your son. He doesn't provide financially in a, a direct way, although he does, because obviously John is now going to be looking after his mum. But he's not saying, oh, I've got all this stuff that I've been hoarding away since I'm the son of God. I've got all this treasure that I've brought down and I'm going to sort you out, Mary. Don't worry. He doesn't do that at all. Joseph has probably, they think, long since passed away. So it's just his mum. There is no, no dad or stepdad for Jesus in this case um, on the scene. And so Jesus provides for his family, for both John and his mum. And a lot has been made of um, this statement. I don't know if you've noticed, you might have picked up on it when I read it, that Jesus says, woman. And a lot of kind of commentators get a little bit upset, actually. They think Jesus was being disrespectful because they think, woman. Whereas actually it could be quite gentle and soft. But actually the whole 
he says woman earlier on. If you remember in John's gospel, there's the story where uh, Jesus turns water into wine. And he addresses Mary then as a woman. And it's, it's almost here that what they think is it's a kind of a polite distance term. A little bit me, like me saying, all right, fella, how you doing? Or how you doing, mate? Just imagine if he was crying, mom, mother, from the cross. I think that would make it worse. I think it might. I just think a little bit there that maybe Jesus, is even in his language and the things he's saying there, thinking of the care of others, even down to the last thing of what he calls his mum. And what's widely accepted to, um, by kind of people that have looked into this, that John went on to look after Jesus' mum, Mary, for at least 11 years. So for at least 11 years, and that's the minimum because he then went on to Ephesus and it could have been that Mary went with him. But that's at least 11 years of service by John in looking after somebody else's mum. And I just want you to pause for a moment because we can kind of brush over this. But it really struck me. That's a big ask for John. Isn't it? Take someone into your home who's not blood related to you in any way, shape or form, who's older than you, who is no doubt going to be a bit of drama. It's going to make life more difficult for you. Is going to cost you money. Might cost you a bit of reputation. Oh, John's living with his mum. Like, even though it's not his mum, it's going to hit John's life a little bit. It's going to cost him. And yet, I'm not seeing John saying, excuse me, Jesus, I think you've got that wrong. Can you pick somebody else, please? Maybe Peter, he's not here to kind of argue against it. Could he look after your mum for 11 years? I don't want to do that. He doesn't. 11 years, he does it at least you just get the impression that he just gets on with it. That he sacrifices his own desires in order to honor the Lord. And it just got me thinking a little bit that anything that we do, absolutely anything, whether it's out the front, it's at the back, it's out in the car park, anything that we do for the Lord is of massive value. Now, sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to do that, or I don't want to do this. But actually, to serve God is our greatest honor. That we can serve God today, that we can honor him, that we can choose to use our time, our energy, our resources for him. That's better than anything else we can give our life to. And that applies to serving in the church as well. I just want to say this, that actually, if you're not currently serving in any capacity at the church, then we want you to. Because it honors the Lord. And you'll honor the Lord in doing that. And don't look down upon service, but see it as a great honor. That whatever it does, actually, it's worth giving your life to. John took in Jesus' mum for 11 years, at least. And just got on with it because it was for Jesus. Because it was for the kingdom. Amazing, really. And it's just a question that we can reflect on. Am I serving God? in my life right now? Am I contributing to that? Am I serving him? Am I serving his church or not? And that's just something to kind of think about and to get involved because we would love you to get involved in the life of the church. And I love that even in the, in the pains and the sufferings um, of the cross, Jesus is again thinking of other people. You know, often we only think of other people, don't we, in the good times where we've maybe got headspace, thinking life's good so I can think of others. Where Jesus here, the temptation is when, you know, the temptation for me when I was lying in hospital after this 
debacle is to think, oh, woe is me. <laughs> this is terrible. Somebody bring me some flowers so I can look at them and some grapes and it'll be beautiful. Whereas actually in the depths of pain, Jesus is thinking of other people and sets a model for what it looks like for us. That it's not just when we think, oh, life's good so I can think of others. It's actually when we're struggling, when we're down, when we're up against it, actually we can be those people who provide for others. What does Jesus say? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. To put the interests and needs of others before our own. And it's precisely what Jesus does for us. Powerful verses coming up. Philippians 4.19. Whatever our need, whatever our um, perceived need at least, my God will supply every need of yours. Paul says, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And I just want to point out that even from the cross as he's being crucified, he provides for his mum. So now Jesus isn't hanging on a cross anymore, but he's ruling and reigning in heaven. How much more than now can he provide for your needs? You thought about that? He can provide for his mum's needs as he's dying, but now he's ruling and reigning, and he can provide for all of our needs. Not our wants, there's a distinction, but the things that we actually need. Maybe it is those open arms of the Father that he provides for us because he's, according to his riches, because he's now in heaven in glory. And as I look back on my life, as I'm sure if you do this, and this is a useful thing to do, you know, to just look back on actually where God's brought you from so far, the things that he's intervened in, the things that he's done, I can say hand on heart that time and again, he's never let me down. Time and again, he has always provided for me, my wife, my children now. Whether it's been food parcels on the door, which we've had, haven't we? Or money through the post, which we weren't expecting when we were short. Or people pulling together in amazing ways you wouldn't expect. Or even, I know I've said this before, but the house that we live in right now, like we were basically going to be kicked out onto the streets the council weren't willing to help us. Homelessness service said, well, you're not homeless now, so we can't help you. We had nowhere to go. And yet now we're in a bungalow, which is great because there's no steps. And not only that, I've got a disabled ramp. I'm not, if you've not been to my house, I genuinely have a disabled ramp to get into my home. And you just think, wow. Because like, I tell you, steps, I don't go up there. They're a nightmare. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I'm, I'm praying that they won't be, at least on my left leg. They might continue to be on my right for a bit. And if we do move home and we get some steps, I'm getting a stair stairlift put in, even at my age. And I'm not ashamed of that because they're great. They might not be aesthetically pleasing, but that's not everything. Like, seriously, God ahead of time provides for us with what we need, not what we want, and provides for us ultimately, of course, with his death upon a cross. What we want and need most is forgiveness, is a new life, is, is to be the people we were always created to be. Not marred by sin and guilt and shame, but set free. And that's what he does. And in that, he puts us into a new, beautiful family called the church. That's what he achieves. Brings us into something brand new and yes our earthly mothers and fathers and friends and family care for us but I've not found anything like the love of God 
Nothing like it. Nothing goes as far. Nothing is as far-reaching. Nothing is as dependable. And he brings us into this new family. And I love this church. I love my church family. I love being here on a Sunday. I love hanging out with you all. I love that I know near enough all of your names. And if I don't know your name yet, I'm going to know your name. And that you know mine and we can know each other. And actually, I love being part of a church family because that's what it's supposed to be. Together, heading in the direction of Christ. That when one of us stumbles and falls and is grieving, we grieve together. When one of us is rejoicing and loving it, we're loving it with them. That we're on this journey of faith together. Making our way through life together. And we can keep going. Because not only have we got a saviour in heaven who knows all about us and provides our every need, but we've got a whole new family of brothers and sisters and aunties and uncles and mothers and everything. And it's community. And, you know, I would not be here, obviously, if it's not for my mum and dad, but their influence in terms of faith. But also there are a whole host of other people who are spiritual mothers to me who are spiritual fathers, who are spiritual brothers. And you know what one of my prayers is? A legacy that as I get older, as I continue in ministry, God willing, that there will be others that will be able to say, yes, he was like a spiritual father to me. That I could stand and encourage people. Because there's people in my life who who have read the Bible with me, who have prayed with me, who have stood with me in the lowest of times, who have loved me even when I'm unlovable, which is my normal self. They love me. They care about me. They want me to be the best version of me I can be. And not so that, you know, for for any gain of mine, but so that God's glorified. So that he's honored. And that's what church should be. That's what I want church to be. I want it to be like Acts. I want it to be where they came together and nobody was lacking. And people that were alone had a new family. And, And everybody was part of this amazing organic life that brought hope and peace and joy and as people discovered hope and they discovered Christ they were brought into this beautiful new family you know by the blood of Christ if you've put your trust in Jesus and the person next to you has put their trust in Jesus that is a stronger tie than any blood DNA will have because you are the family of God it's stronger it's greater. Now, I love my brothers, uh, one of whom is kind of, you know, we all got brought up going to church, and this is difficult for me to talk about, but one of whom is now kind of completely turned his back on faith, and I love him, and he's my brother. But I almost have a stronger affinity and a stronger, almost like DNA match, in one sense, with someone who has faith in Christ then I do my own brother. Now, I want my own brother, of course, to come to faith because he's special and I love him. And if he's, well, he won't be watching, so that's okay. But there's something about being brought into the family of God that says you have new DNA, and I know scientifically, and I'm not a scientist, we don't. But the Holy Spirit courses through our veins, and it does something new in our life that we're a new creation. We have a fresh start with a, a fresh family. And God dies for his church in the person of Jesus. 
because his church is valuable and precious to him. And you know what? On Mother's Day, Mother's Day can be really hard. It can suck, actually. You know, you see the cards and you think, oh. For whatever reason, a variety of reasons, today can be really hard. And today can be really good, dependent on our perspective and where we're at. But you know what? The kingdom of heaven is for all. The kingdom of heaven is for every single one of us. Whether we feel like an outsider, whether we feel like we're part of it all, whether we're rejoicing, whether we're grieving, the kingdom of heaven is for all of us. We're all brought into this family. Whatever our story, whatever our past, whatever our baggage, we can be brought into this new family called the church. And you know what? We get many spiritual mothers and many spiritual fathers and brothers and sisters. And that's my plea to us all, whether it's with our own children or not. You know, children are imitators of what they see, aren't they? And wouldn't it be great as a church? We've got so many children in this church. It's a real blessing that they're there. But I long for them to come to faith in Christ. And I long for them to see all of us as examples of what that looks like. We can be spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers to all those children no matter how young or how old we are. Because I look back at my life and I've got many spiritual mothers and many spiritual fathers. In fact, there's people in this room that I would put in that category. People who I I look up to in the faith and I'm inspired by and encouraged in my walk, who I'm thankful for and their example that they set me. And what is family? It's a place of guidance, a place of comfort, a place of hope. Isn't that the church? Isn't that what the church should be? The church often is in the news for very bad reasons. For things that it's it's not doing and it's not being, but the church should be that place where there's people who give their time, their energy, their love for others. Let me read Romans 8 and that tie that's stronger than blood because this is your reality. If you've put your faith in Christ, you may not feel like this this morning, but this is your reality. If you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, But you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. That's our present state today. Children of God, his family. And that beautiful picture that his arms are open wide to every single one of us. And whether you're loving life or it's a bit tricky, Jesus loves you. And on, uh, on Thursday at Alpha, we were looking at why did Jesus die? And there's this great line from Nicky Gumble, And it just said this, because so often we get our worth and what we think about ourselves and our identity from the world, don't we? And what the world says. And the expectations of what it means to be a mother or a father or a person in society today. And this is what Nicky Gumble says. He says, your worth is what you are worth to God. Your worth is what you are worth to God. And Jesus dies on a cross. That's our worth this morning. That's our worth every day. That's how we know God loves us. That Jesus would go through that for us. So that our relationship with God is restored. And so we get a new family. Warts and all but we get a new family. And you know what? The church is part of the means that God provides for us. 
that he gives us a new family. He gives us people that are praying for us, gives us people who are looking out for us. And you might not feel like that this morning. This might be your first time at Redeemer King. But you can expand that to the universal church. Yes, local church. But universally, he, he gives us the church. That you could go anywhere in the world and meet Christians and you've got something strong in common with them. doesn't matter what our background is or where we were born, what we've been brought up with, what our job is, our title, the things we've done, the things we haven't done, that actually we can become the children of God. We did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons, and we cry, Abba, Father. And so when Jesus is dying for the sins of the world upon a cross and says, Behold, mother, behold your son, and son, behold your mother, he's saying to us, Look, come on, come home, ask for forgiveness, put your faith in me, and you get a new family. And I'll provide for you. And I give the church. The church, not just this one, but the church, Jesus loves it. And we should love it too.